Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and I have with me today the lovely Rena Van Alst. Hi, Rena. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, busy as usual as our strata worker likes to keep us under the pump, but that's all good. It's better than studying our navels and not knowing what to do and when the phone's going to ring, that's for sure. How about you? Yeah, no, it's been a pretty good week. Um, busy as usual, but nothing unusual. It's been quite nice actually in terms of the pace it's you know some weeks you don't really have you know you sort of on top of all your deadlines so mm, yeah that's a good so feeling. feeling good about that Woohoo! enjoy it while you can yeah. <laughs> now let's jump in as we do to our wins and challenges for the week we're going to start with your challenge this week rena my challenge for the week, Amanda, is about ballot papers and the completion of these for the election of the strata committee so I attended a meeting a couple of months ago where I actually was a proxy bearer on behalf of a lot owner. So it wasn't a scheme that I was managing. And what happened was, of course, um, when it came to the election of the Strata Committee, there were more nominees than there were places that had been set. And so at the time, the managing agent gets up and says to the owners present that evening and the proxy bearers, oh, we've given you a ballot form and please make sure that you only put down five names because at the time the number was set at five and he said that if you have more than five names we'll only take the top five and I think well that's not right and it was good that someone else had gotten up and said to those present at the meeting that if you actually put down more than five your ballot paper will not be accepted as a vote towards the election of the candidate so Mm. I just wanted to bring to the attention of our listeners and, and strata managers, where that comes from. And it actually comes from the regulations. It's actually part two, clause 10. So this is obviously where there's more than one lot. And it says, for a vote to be valid, this is subsection three, a ballot paper must be signed by the voter and completed by the voters writing on it. And it says the names of the candidates without repeating a name for whom the voter desires to vote, the number of names written being no more than the number determined by the owners corporation as the number of members of the strata committee and and it goes on to say the capacity in which you're exercising your vote whether you're an owner a proxy bearer or a company nominee or a first mortgagee and then if the vote is being cast by proxy the name and the capacity of the person who gave the proxy so um, i think some many schemes, especially large schemes, may have contentious strata committee election ballots, and mm. I've been involved in very, very many of them. And I just wanted to remind our managers who are listening, especially, to understand that if the ballot paper contains more than the number that's been determined, then that then it can't be accepted towards the election process. Mm, thank you for that reminder. It's a good one, and you're right, Rena. The election of committee members is an area we talk about a lot on the podcast. Yeah. We get a lot of questions about, and it is uh, can be a contentious area and an area ripe for dispute. So really important uh, for managers, for chairs who are uh, chairing their own meetings or self-managed schemes where you've got the committee trying to grapple with this procedure to make sure that you're well across the proper procedure for the election of committee members. So great reminder there. Thank you. 
my challenge for this week is a bit of an expansion on what we discussed a couple of weeks ago, Rena, in episode 124, where uh, we reminded our listeners of the requirement for financial statements that are considered at annual general meetings to be dated not earlier than two months before the date of the annual general meeting. This challenge kind of arises, I think, from that issue in that where buildings are holding annual general meetings more than 12 months and sometimes significantly more than 12 months after the last annual general meeting, the question arises, what happens with quarterly levies? For example, if at the 2017 annual general meeting, you struck levies for the next 12-month period until June 2017. If you don't hold your next annual general meeting until December 2017, is the strata manager correctly and legally issuing levy notices for the period June to December 2017 when you haven't actually struck levies for that period because your last resolution covered only the period up to June? Does that make sense? Yep. Well, basically, there's two things that arise out of that, Amanda. First of all, the manager cannot strike levies beyond the period that the AGM minutes have stipulated. So, therefore, in your example, um, there'd be no levies struck, you know, from 1 July until November because, unfortunately, there's been no resolution to allow that. So, the manager can't actually legally issue levy notices. No. Mm. But what they can do and what's good practice and what we've been doing as a matter of course is at the AGM back in 17, because you can't really hold your meeting, let's say your financial year end is June as we've discussed, Amanda. So, the next levy is due 1 July, but because you can't have your AGM on 1 July and you can't have all your financial statements, you know, audited and, and prepared, so there should be a resolution allowing the owners corporation to issue levies at a certain rate for admin fund and capital fund that's payable until they're redetermined. So let's say, for example, in this case, the AGM is not held till, say, September or even November, there would have been a July levy issued and then the October levy issued. And then once you determined your annual levies, let's say, for example, for argument's sake, it's $200,000 for your admin fund and you've already issued 50000 in the July quarter and 50000 in the October quarter. So let's say you determine that they're only going to be 950 rather than 200, then you've only got to collect 50000 over the remaining six months or the rest of that financial year. So the problem is that you need to strike to have levies coming in regularly for cash flow purposes. Mm. I think owners find it hard when, you know, the levies haven't been issued for some time to come up with the money all in one go. Mm. And also you can't have the levy due before for example, July levy can't be due in July if your AGM is in November. Mm. So you've got to then have that July levy perhaps due 1 December, then the next one, October, will have to be due 1 January. I mean, cash flow-wise, it yeah. So, I mean, unfortunately, I've inherited many schemes where they haven't had that resolution to keep striking levies. Mm. And, you know, sometimes for various reasons, the AGM's delayed. Um, and then you've got to go back and um, strike levies. Or they haven't – in one building, we don't, we're not in a rush to have an agent. I said, yeah, but you have to have one. I said, your levy's finished back in May and I need to get strike levies. And so – yeah, so we had like, for example, we had the AGM in March and the November levy was then due on April and then the next one was due, you know, so it, it sort of. Mm. 
One example that came to me recently was in relation to a building where the strata manager had continued to send out levy notices, even though there had been no resolution to uh, have levies for that period. And then realising perhaps that they had no authority to do so, the manager put a motion on the agenda to retrospectively authorise, I guess, or retrospectively Mm -hmm. strike those levies, authorise the issue of those levy notices. And I found that quite bizarre and um, not legal in my view. Well, I think for um, accounting purposes, there has to be some record, Amanda, of what has been issued so that when, you know, if it's being audited, the auditor knows they check the AGM minutes and they check the accounts and they make sure that the levies that have been struck actually marry up with what's been collected. So Mm. I don't know how else, I mean, maybe it should have just been noted rather than being retrospectively approved because it's already been done. You may just say that the levy issued on 1 July just be noted so that it's just, it's not actually approving it. Mm. It's saying it's happened and this is what we've raised in that quarter. Mm. I suppose the uh, best practice, though, of course, is, as you say, Rena, have that motion on your agenda that levies should continue at the same rate until redetermined. And that's yeah. then going to allow the strata manager to issue that additional, probably should only really be an additional quarter, it shouldn't be much more than that before you have your next AGM. I wouldn't be advising schemes to have your AGMs too far into but the But it doesn't matter year. anymore, Amanda, you can, because nothing in the Act tells you you have to have it times. So this, this is a problem now that yes. we have because you have this discretion. That's right. Um, people now, you know, like before there was much more of a pressure to have your AGM in it. And people say to me now, you know, when do we have to have a buy? I said, well, only one. Oh, well, in that case, don't worry about it. So-and-so is away. I've got to get mm. this done. We need more quotes for that. We're waiting for, you know, buy. I said, okay, well, you know, it's hard to argue. And plus we have that recurring resolution that has allowed if you us have to that, yeah, great. If you have that, great. And also yeah. if, as we discussed in our last episode, if you are preparing supplementary accounts to add yeah. to your financial statements and from what we've uh, been hearing, not everybody is doing that and that's the problem uh, with leaving your meetings yep. too late. So, yeah, interesting uh, topic there around financial statements, making sure that you have properly struck levies and, uh, yeah, surprising that there are some buildings out there paying levies, receiving levy notices that have haven't necessarily been authorised by their general meeting. No, bit of a worry. I suppose it all sort of goes amended to an issue. If someone you know has doesn't a problem, pay. yeah, or doesn't like the amount, or yeah, exactly. You go up to the tribunal, and mm. there you go. <laughs> yep. All right, let's move on to wins for this week, Rena. Well, I've got a, a scheme where an owner hasn't paid their levies for nearly 18 months and we were notified that there was a new mortgagee that had taken over and basically um, as a result of that, all the strata levies were paid up to date. So that Ooh. was just a fantastic result. I can't go too much into the case, Amanda. Obviously, this has been a long-standing case that's we've been involved in. Mm. But just have to say that um, sometimes you don't realise there is an end in sight. And, you know, we've <laughs> been obviously seven claim had been issued and, you know, it was going to go to default judgment and imagine like if we had to go to bankrupt. I mean, all the time and effort and cost that would take and the fact that the owners corporation is missing those funds. Mm-hmm. And by just having a new mortgagee that the person had to go to for some obviously personal reasons, we were able to get all the levies paid up to date, which had been outstanding for 18 months. And mm. it was a lot of money because we had to strike special levies during the year because we didn't have the cash. Oh, um, so therefore it had a negative impact on a lot of the owners in the building financially. Some of them have said to me, Rena, we, you know, I've got to sell, I can't afford this. I've used up all my savings. And, you know, it was really unfortunate because – it's hard to see people, you know, in financial difficulty, mm. um, especially in, in a smaller scheme, one person not paying 
can make a big difference yeah. to the overall cash flow for that scheme, and especially when you know they were involved in some other litigation and other matters that needed you know funds. So it wasn't as if like they could just say, "Okay, we'll put this bit of work off or not do that repair at the moment while we wait for the cash to come in." Mm. They had some, you know, they had orders from from council to it they had to comply with. There was a number of issues that were occurring, and so it was a great outcome, I think, for those owners. It was really. Yeah, yeah. It's a good tip when you are involved in protracted uh, debt recovery process with a lot owner to get the mortgagee involved. And I know you said, Rena, in this case, it was a new mortgagee coming in under a refinance, I guess. Uh, But it is, uh, under most mortgage terms, a breach of the terms of the mortgage if the levies are not paid. Well, I'm so glad you said that, Amanda, because I have this, actually, I might talk about it in, in another episode, but the same thing has happened. And I've had to bring this to the attention of the lawyer that, why you know, I've got, I've got a copy of the actual um, CT of the lot owner and there's a, there's a mortgage on it. And, you know, she hasn't paid levies for like, you know, years and years. And yeah. unfortunately, it's a very, a matter that's been on for many, many years before we inherited the scheme. But unfortunately, yeah, like, I'm glad that you've raised that, Amanda, because a lot of lawyers don't seem to sort of raise that with us. Yeah, and maybe it's because when, when we do reach out to banks, they're not always all that interested or um, wanting to get involved in, in that kind of situation. But I have certainly been in cases before, it might have been one of your buildings, Rena, where we did get the uh, the bank involved and they were able to assist in forcing the sale of the property, which then ended mm. up getting a, a significant debt paid. It is, as you said, Rena, it is a matter of public record, whether somebody has a mortgage registered on their title mm. or not, you can obtain a copy of the title from Land Registry Services and have a look. And you can then also obtain a copy of the mortgage terms. And albeit they are they're quite standard and you don't always get too much juicy information in those, but you can find that term that does require uh, all debts to be paid uh, in respect of strata levies being one of those mm-hmm. and um, more importantly find out who the mortgagee is and communicate the situation to them and you never know this person might have other debts uh, might be in default on their mortgage repayments mm. and this might just be the straw that breaks the camel's back and you might get a helping hand there from a, a large institution who can help you solve what is a big problem for a small building yeah thank you man yeah it's really good advice actually no problem um Moving on to my win for this week. This is a quick one, but I thought it was a clever one. I had a building approach me recently and ask if I could draft a bylaw for them, which made clear that they have a notice board in place. This is quite a standard bylaw that buildings have um, to allow them to put notices of meetings and minutes of meetings up on their notice board. And the building specifically said, look, Amanda, we're actually investing in an electronic notice board. Is there anything in the act that would stop us from having an electronic notice board. I had a look. I said, no, there is no definition of notice board. There is no requirement that it be, uh, what's the, I don't know, I want to say analog, <laughs> an analog notice board. No, a, 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 um, a sort of solid structure with a frame. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> solid, yeah, that is not in the act. You can have your TV style or iPad or I don't know how you, how you want to do it, but an electronic notice board, I'm sure there's plenty of products out there and businesses who develop these things. And if you have a prestigious building or just a modern building with a very nice foyer or entryway and you want to have this electronic notice board, I think it's a great idea and you can definitely have a bylaw that caters for that. Yeah, well, I have a building manager that actually uses a um – 
property management software to communicate with the residents about mm. certain things. And and I suppose that's outside the building manager's office. They could use that to put their minutes up there, I suppose. Mm. Or some buildings actually have sort of like you have in a lift in a commercial lift. They've got this nice sort of screen that mm. tells you the weather and the newest restaurant. But you might want to add your strata minutes in there as well, but maybe not if you don't want everyone to see it. I don't know. Yes, well, each to their own, but I loved their creativity uh, in that idea yeah. and thought that I would share that with our loyal it's a listeners. Great idea. <laughs> I think that's it from me this week, Rena. Anything else? No, all good, Amanda. Thank you. Good luck as you launch out into yet another week in Strata. I look forward to hearing about it. Thank you, Amanda. Bye. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today? today?